0: Everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. How you doing over there, Mel?
1: I'm doing. I've been enjoying this weather today with all the thunderstorms coming through.
0: Yeah, it's tough out there. Um, we have a very special guest with us this evening. Are you are you shivering in anticipation, Mel? Well, you might already know the, who the person is. So, Facebook know
1: him.
0: I haven't met well, him yet. Oh, okay. Well, now you guys can meet in the in the voice world, um, and we're gonna get you guys together in person. You've never met Neil Jones in nope, in real life. Yet. Oh wow! All right, cool, cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Neil Jones from Without Your Head. Hello, thank you.
2: Oh, sorry. There. So, uh, thank you for having me. It's very, very nice to be uh, asked and uh, very honored to be here. And no, I've not met her before. I've met uh, Matt. Well, wait, yeah, wait.
1: I haven't met you You're yet. Coming. I think we just kind of became friends because of friends of friends.
2: I think so, yeah. Because we're uh, mutual friends with many people. Yeah, that's how it happens a lot. Uh-huh. So, um...
0: by
1: association.
0: That's true. Exactly. True fact. True fact. So, how you doing, Neil? I'm very good, thank you. How you guys doing? Doing pretty good.
1: Not
0: too bad in this end. Good. Yeah, I, I know you're doing a lot of uh, online show, online shows now, which is good. Taking advantage of the Zoom, the future, the future of everything, which is nice, nails. Yeah, I
2: didn't even know. I didn't even know what Zoom was until uh, the pandemic. And, uh, actually what had happened was someone asked me to be on their show and, uh, they only did it on zoom. Mm. So I downloaded it. And, uh, so I I don't know, I'm not sure what show it was, but they're like, they only do it through zoom. And then I found out it was video. So then like I set up a background and then, then when he started recording, we recorded the whole interview on video. And then he's like, Oh, well, I just take the audio off the video. And I was like, well, why did I? Why did I bother getting all this to, <laughs> yeah. to do this interview? And then I don't think it's ever been posted. That's been like three months ago. So.
0: Oh, that's two months ago. Yeah. yeah.
2: But at least it led to me uh, knowing what Zoom is and using it.
0: That's true. I know how you're a big conspiracy theory guy. Some would say that Zoom created the whole epidemic.
2: Oh, just they get the stocks up.
0: <laughs> so. Um, I, you now, how long ago did we meet? I know that we met many, many years ago at the premiere of House Across the Street, but I don't think we were, like, introduced or, I don't think we actually met and met, I think we just, uh, swayed by each other.
2: Right, yeah, we, uh, Annabelle, who's on the show at the time, uh, we were at that, that, so I'm not sure what year that was. I
0: think 15. But yeah, I don't think
2: either of us knew each other at all at the time. I'm not sure, I think the first time I met you was on a, I was with, um, I think it was on a film set.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think so, too, if if I remember correctly. Um, and then cruising around the convention circuit, you know, was always Right,
2: and I ran into you at uh, Coolidge a a couple times. Yep.
0: The good old Coolidge. I wonder how Mm they are doing with, uh with everything going on, if they're in, in in dire straits of losing everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it just open, uh, reopened. Oh, good. I think they have something happening soon. But uh, they were doing a lot of online stuff, too, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that, the uh, you were right on top of that with the online stuff. That was uh, quick thinking and uh, good thinking, you know.
2: Yeah, I, speaking of conventions, I even suggested it to a convention. A friend of mine, I was like, Right at the beginning of this, I was like, maybe you could think of a way to do this, like, online, where people, you know, they could Zoom. Well, I didn't say Zoom, so I don't know what Zoom was, but uh, they could, you know, talk to the the, the uh, guests, like, online somehow. And all this, and he's like, oh, that would never work. But then, then I then I started to see uh, conventions start to do that, like, uh, a month later. You, you kicked off the whole thing. I was thing, like, if man, you would have listened to me, you could have been the first one. Right? Y'all could have been rich
0: right now, living exactly. the good life. You could have been on that big yacht in the middle of the ocean where you don't gotta deal with anybody. So, uh,
2: like you were when I had you on the on the show, you were you were out there in the Bahamas. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I try to I try to whenever I do a different show, I try to make sure I'm in a different place, you know. But it has to be exotic. That's the key. That's the most important detail. Mm -hmm. So, Neil, did you uh did you go to like uh you know? Uh, any type of like, um, you know, like a, like a radio, but like in high school or, or college,
2: did you do? Oh like no, nothing. No, nothing no like communica- that at all. With
0: communication,
2: honestly, when like I that? when we, yeah, no, when we started the show, that actually <clears throat> probably wouldn't be like that big of a deal right now. But when we started the show, it was really before podcast started, uh, before that was a name. Mm. It was two thousand five. And uh, the other shows that were online were called uh, Internet Radio, and all of them were on terrestrial radio, and they just were, you know, experimenting with uh, streaming their shows online as well. And so when we started, uh, the first show was In Your Head, which we still do. It was a wrestling show. And the other people who uh, did that, so we are on this website, uh, audio wrestlingcom and um, we just started to do it for fun, and they added us to the, uh, to the network because people really liked it in the uh, – and the message board was active. But all the other, like, people with the established shows were pissed. They they were, like, really mad because we didn't have uh, broadcasting degrees or didn't go to college. They were just, like, these, you know, three idiots are doing this show, like, in their basement. Like, well, why is this on the same network with, uh, you know, this radio show out of Long Island? And stuff?
0: Yeah. The, um, was wrestling, uh, wrestling was, like, your first love then, right? Before before horror?
2: Well, I mean, both of them. I grew up watching uh, yeah. horror movies and wrestling, but uh, that was the first show we did was uh, the pro wrestling podcast because uh, the three of us at the time we were friends on a uh, a pro re- on, on audio wrestling. It was a, uh, a wrestling uh, radio internet radio website. They had an active message board, and uh, we became friends on that. And uh, we did the first show just as like kind of a goof, and then uh, people liked it, and so we started doing it. Was
0: there anybody that kind of influenced you to, you know, maybe the format of the show? Oh,
2: definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it was a show, Get Get in the Ring, which was out of, uh, I think it was out of Long Island. It was out of New York, anyway, uh, with Sir Adam and the Phantom. And they have been around since the 90s, and uh, this was kind of near the end of their time. Mm. But uh, we were all big fans of that show. And uh, I had won a contest where I guest hosted that show the year before. There and uh, so that was my first time ever, you know, doing anything like that, and I had fun. And so, yeah, they were definitely uh, our inspiration. But it was weird, because then we, when we started to know those guys, like, they were real assholes to us.
0: <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> Which
2: is funny. But, yeah.
0: Well, they can't all be beautiful people, you know?
1: Right.
0: That would be too easy if everybody was nice. Yes, That's true. Yes. So, why uh, you... With the,
1: yeah, you could have... Yeah. I, I could going to ask Neil about... He's
2: got a, you're in Cool as Hell 2 with our buddy James Balsamo. How did that come about? Yeah. Uh, so I've known James for a while uh, through uh, the conventions. Uh, that was at Mad Monster. And uh, he'd out. you know, he's like, oh, when you're out, because we're both going to be at Mad Monster. And I was, you know, with without your head. And um, he was like, when you're there, would you want to be in the movie? I was like, yeah, Absolutely. And so uh, you you worked with James. It's not necessarily like uh, like it was scripted. It was like uh, so I was there, and there happened to be a guy dressed as not to spoil the movie, There ha- happened to be a guy there dressed as Krampus, and so he just like kind of threw together the scene, and uh, we went out right outside the hotel and filmed it. And it was a, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I was happy to be in a uh, James movie.
0: Yeah, they're a lot of fun.
2: Originally, Bill Burr was also going to be in that scene, but uh, that didn't happen. I think he's still in the movie, but not in that scene.
0: Was there a rift between you you two? Right That's why he didn't want to do the scene with you?
2: (laughs) No, no. Bill, Bill, I like Bill Burr a lot. He always calls me hat man. Uh, My brother's also in that scene, Troy. Troy, nice.
1: He's mad because Neil looks better than him now.
2: Neil
0: always did. Neil's a very handsome man. Yeah, and
2: that, and, uh... I joke now, I said that I've gained like 160 pounds to be in the James Balsamo movie, because I'm much heavier in the in the film than I am now. <laughs>
1: You've officially gone Hollywood.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm, of- I'm the, I am, uh, you know, Robert De Niro of our generation. I've gained, I gained 160 pounds for the James Balsamo film.
0: I believe that, you know. So what, do you remember <laughs> what your first convention ever was?
2: Uh, yeah, the first one I ever did was Rock and Shock. Uh, I'm not positive what year that was, but uh, yeah, the first one was Rock and Shock. When like, we started Without Your Head, uh, the very first Without Your Head was actually a Halloween special of the wrestling show. So the wrestling show's In Your Head. Okay. And then we did a Halloween special, and we didn't know what to call it. And uh, my friend Ron, he's like, we'll call it Without Your Head. And then uh, the next year, uh, we just started to do it as a regular show. But that was uh, the first convention. I went to, and it was also the first one I like started to get involved with, uh, cause that was, I think, their second year, I think. Mm-hmm. Either, yeah, I think the second year. And so, you know, I contacted them, and, uh, for, so our very first guest was Sid Haig, uh, to come on to plug Rock and Shock. And so, and then every year after that, uh, you know, we'd always, uh, plug Rock and Shock and get people on. And it's sad to, to see that it's not happening. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, cause, uh, someone else says it is happening again so i don't know but uh what's your opinion they said it was the last one what do you think of- uh, my opinion and wow. I don't, about what's happening is uh, i don't know i don't know so i don't really know the people involved but to me it seems like uh the two kind of partners in it have uh ended and one of them is uh continuing to do it yeah but i don't know What's your? That's pa- just what I get from reading Facebook uh, Messenger. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's
1: just so many rumors flying around about what's going on with it. I just want to see there still be some kind of convention that's you know yeah. semi-local for all of us to go to. Absolutely. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. Neil, Ni- where do you th- where do you think conventions are going to go with the current climate of the COVID and all that? Like, wh- where do you see c- conventions in the future?
2: Yeah, I uh, I think any of them. Right now, the ones that are scheduled for right now are probably going to canceled or they're just not going to be well attended because I don't think people are going to be going. And I do because I know one that's coming up. Uh, like, there's been 16 cancellations on the guests, and then like so many of the fans are saying they don't want to go. But once like things can happen, uh, there's like two mindsets because I think there's going to be a group of people that will be scared to go to uh, to a crowd. But right. then you're also going to have a lot of people that are dying to go to something because they haven't been able to go for a long time. So they might kind of even each other out and you'll still they'll still be well-attended.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: we'll see. Well, see but I'm, I definitely must convention and festivals.
2: Yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, for the next, like, year or so, it'll be a lot of online stuff. And
1: I notice a lot of the, like, celebrities are... You know, doing things on Instagram and Twitter where, you know, yeah. at a certain time on the weekend or whatever, they'll have sessions where they'll autograph stuff for you and or give you, a, like, a shout-out video or something, you know, while this whole COVID thing is going on. So that's kind of cool, <clears> too, <throat> because it's, like, a little more personal than... Because
2: you still... Yeah, you still have
1: that interaction. Extension. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your take on the whole online...
2: And you can't blame, like... I'll just say real quick, I can, you yeah. can't blame, like, I guess not wanting to be there, because a lot of, you know, a lot of them are, are older, and, uh, and adding, being in an, an actual physical convention, you know, uh, there's so much interaction, and you don't necessarily want to be around a lot. I mean, the cr- con crud was a thing way before COVID, where a lot of people just get sick at a convention anyway, so yeah. it's not necessarily yep. the best place, you go know, for you right now.
0: I mean, what's your take on the the on the whole online thing? I know right now you're doing a lot of online with like the Q and As and the viewing parties, which is cool. But like, mm-hmm. do you think that you know, you know, almost Sky, you know, uh, like Skyping with you know, or doing it's almost like a cameo with um, when you meet these celebrities. It sounds. You think that's like, I don't know. I just don't. It just feels real generic and like I don't know. Like I mean, nothing beats. The real thing, of course, but um, I don't know if a substitute is like
2: the greatest of ideas. Yeah, but I, I think it's better, you than know, nothing. than nothing. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think like the online uh, watch parties and stuff uh, that definitely adds the interaction. Which, like, you can watch a movie at home and be fine, but uh, having you know other people there to, to talk with while you're watching, you know, short movies or feature movies. I think it's a much better experience as far as like uh, the celebrities go. Yeah. I do have a like if the cameo thing really takes off. I don't know if uh, some of the some of the guests are going to be as willing to do video interviews because if you can get like uh, some of the bigger people, especially if you can get like three hundred. I have seen Elvira can get, gets like three hundred dollars to do like uh, you know a, a minute cameo. If she's getting a lot of those is she gonna go and do a, a video interview with the podcast for free right you know probably not necessarily worth her time to do that
0: yeah it's true yeah that could hurt that could hurt the the the, the whole podcasting community that could be a problem because
2: mm-hmm. I I even saw um that because I saw an, a podcast was like they put out a, uh, like, oh, you know, Elvira gives us a shout-out. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool, Elvira, you know, do a shout-out. for. But then you look at it, and it had the Cameo logo right on it. And so I went and looked, and it was like $300, you know. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think, I, whatever people want to do, but I don't necessarily think paying someone $300 for 40 seconds, a 40-second outs, a, a good use of your money.
0: Yeah, I remember a while, a little, not too long ago, you were talking about a gentleman that was supposed to be a reoccurring guest, asked for money to, to be on the Beyond on the show and uh which you know is horrifying of course you know it's promo Every people uh-huh. should be they should be happy to be able to hop on and talk about their their projects but uh yeah that'd be yeah if, or just not do it
2: you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd Drew. be better off if someone's like i don't want to do it then like oh i'll do it but you're gonna pay me you know x amount of money
0: we'll see how it goes with uh, yeah because then we could be we could be stuck with a in a weird place where only the people with that can pay top dollar can get the guest, so that'd be scary. Well, that'd be very unfortunate. Yeah. You got any? Um,
2: I mean, I've seen it in. Uh, I've seen it in wrestling because a lot of the the. Uh, I Max. don't say big things, but a lot of the like established wrestlers now will all, you know primarily only go on uh, other wrestling podcast shows because so many wrestlers do podcasts. And then there's uh, some that pay people to do, like, shoot interviews, yeah. uh, which are a little different than they used to be. Used to be you know, you buy the, the tape or, or DVD, but now they're online with, you know, ads on them on Patreon. And uh, they pay those guys to do that. So if you're getting paid to do, uh, you know, an interview, even if it's a video interview from your house and you're on Zoom, your you, odds of you, you know, going on someone else's show for nothing, you know, are, are pretty slim.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's tough. Yeah. Do you uh, do you remember who was who some of your favorite? Yeah, I know you can't just name one, but who's some of your favorite uh, horror folks that you've had on your show?
2: Uh, Angus Grim was awesome. Awesome. Uh, you know, I grew up loving Phantasm, yeah. and he's like one of the few guys that scared me in the movies because I watched Joe you know, Horror since the kids, so not like not being a tough guy, I just wasn't really scared. But I was scared of the the tall man, especially in the original Phantasm. Yeah, and he was like the sweetest guy, though uh, when you meet him in person. So that was uh, really special for me. Uh, ben Chapman uh, was great from the original creature from the black lagoon. Yeah. Uh, John Dugan's always an awesome guest. Yeah, uh, and a really nice guy. He's like I became friends with him uh, through the conventions.
0: Yeah, I can, I can tell when you guys uh, go back and forth. You guys have a cool relationship.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's just a really good guy. Yeah, the last show he was on, it wasn't so much an interview; it was just, uh, was just talking about stuff. Is that
0: like your favorite part of the the doing the whole all the podcasts? Is that getting to know these cool people that you you grew up with? You know what I mean, and being able to, in certain situations, become like really friendly with them.
2: Yeah, it's a that's a great experience, yeah. and um, I also like the community aspect of the show. You know, just people getting together. That's why the watch parties are fun. Uh, and just, you know, getting in, getting not even just the guests, but getting to you know just people who, who listen to the show. Yeah, yeah. Is that what
1: gave you the idea to put the film
2: festival together? Uh, really, it just came about because of the pandemic. And uh, I thought it would be something, because, you know, I know a lot of people, I was bored, so I figured a lot of other people were bored. And at the time, like, it was kind of depressing, because, you yeah. know, nothing and all was happening then. And so I was like, well, maybe we'll just do this. And I didn't expect, you know, I didn't know. I thought maybe a few people would come or something. And uh, I didn't even know how many people would submit anything. And uh, We had like 30, we had 38 uh, entries. And uh, there was a really big turnout. And everyone seemed to have a great time. And then afterwards, you know, I get emails and texts from a lot of the filmmakers uh, saying, you know, how much it meant to them to have their stuff seen by, you know, people have probably wouldn't have seen it otherwise and, uh, people were just there watching the movies, you know, had such a good time. And, you know, and the people who uh, submitted stuff, they also watched the other movies. So it just was a, a pleasant experience. And no one was like an asshole, which I was happy about. because yeah. I was worried that we'd do it and there, there'd be, you know, trolls there, so, you know, all oh, this sucks. Whatever. But uh, no one did that, so that, I was happy about that. But, yeah, it was just kind of just the spur-of-the-moment thing. And uh, it was a lot more work than I imagined it would be, which... Probably looking back, I don't know why I wouldn't think it would be a lot of work to put on a festival by myself, but uh, it was a lot yeah. of work. But uh, it was uh, very fulfilling. I had a really good time, and I'm glad that people enjoyed it.
0: Well, nails building to the roster of the film festival for anybody that wants to help them out. There you have it. Yes, yes. You know what was um, what was the what was the thing that surprised you the most? Um, you know, going into create doing the your own film festival by yourself.
2: Uh, really, I don't know. Probably the interest that people would be really interested in doing it, and that uh, people thought it was you know uh, worthwhile for them to have their uh, films in, in the uh, in the watch party. Yeah, and uh, and just uh, afterwards that people really, uh, um enjoyed it not just enjoyed it but were happy or we were honored that the that their stuff was seen by the people and then when we did the um, the award show it was very cool that so many people I know from the horror community uh, you know like Bill Moseley and Bill Whedon and Debbie Rashawn and Michael Rappaport or from greasy Strangler uh, you know they were cool about giving that an award on the uh, on the award show it was just uh, it was really a positive experience all around there was no real negativity which is which is always good.
0: Yeah, and having those people do the nominations was really cool. Speaking for someone who you know who's a part of it, and watched it, like that was really cool. You know, uh, I I I, yeah. I commend you completely for the entire experience. You know what I mean? Doing it because you know, like I've said before, you know, underground filmmakers need all the light they can kind of get shed on them. So like, whenever somebody's you know going mm-hmm. out of their way to be that uh, beacon of light, uh, it's always appreciated. Now this it, is this and is,
2: just for me It was fun to watch them and then uh, like you know a lot of the stuff uh, some you know some a lot of the filmmakers I knew like you yeah and like so I do, you know a lot of your stuff but then a lot of people I didn't know before then when you see someone's you know project that you like and like oh this is cool I'd like to check out the other stuff which I hope is what people you know all the audience does you know like hey I really like this let me go and check out you know what else they do yeah this is a, this how a, many
1: entries <laughs> do you have for the one you have coming up this weekend.
2: Uh, 39 so one more than the last one it's getting bigger and bigger and next time it'll be 40 yeah
1: i was just gonna say that <laughs>
2: yeah
0: and you get you want to run it a couple times a year right that's the fe- like the plan the future plan for it
2: yeah um the idea was to do it one every season like the four four seasons but um i don't know if that's too many or not we'll fi- we'll find out because uh, since it's an online festival and it's, you know, it's free for everyone to watch and free to submit. Um, I, I'm cool with people, uh, you know, submitting older stuff. As, you know, as long as it's not played in our thing before, it's fine. I okay. uh, just let everyone know that, like, if you have, if you're hoping for distribution or, uh, or if you're in a, fi- a physical festival, <laughs> they might not want you to have your thing stream, you know, online. And that's totally, that's totally cool. I get that. But everyone should look, look at that themselves. You know, it's up to them. I can't, you know, do that for them. But, uh, but you know, the, so the idea of, you know, showing older stuff, it could be 10 years old or five years old, or it could be new. Uh, as long as, you know, we haven't shown it before. I think it's fun.
0: Cool. And, uh, how did you get into the filmmaking aspect of it? I know you've obviously were a fan of horror film coming up, but when was the actual break into stepping in front of a camera?
2: Yeah, so, um, let's see, uh, from Ungovernable uh, Films, what's his name? Paul Uh man. So, I went to the Streets Run Red um, rap party, and I uh, was recording interviews. He had invited me out there, and uh, and so he liked those interviews. So he, he wanted to know if I he could use them on the Blu-ray, and I was like, yeah, absolutely, so I sent him. And then um, from there, he came up with an idea because he was at the time he was going to make a uh, a uh, kung fu movie, martial yeah. arts movie, and he's like, he wanted me to um, to to like film the process of this, and not really just the process of making a movie, but the idea of I was going to sp- I spent a day with uh, each of the different people involved in ungovernable films uh, to see like the sacrifices people make to make independent movies. And uh, I also filmed myself, so I was going to be like a, a character, and it's a real documentary. Uh, while we were doing that, he, deci- he uh, I don't know the reason, but he quit uh, filmmaking, so that never, you know, happened. But I still have all the footage. He um, but uh, through him, I had met um, Michael J. Epstein, okay. Epstein who uh, he uh, was a cameraman, a uh, cinematographer for some of the, some of his movies. And uh, he had since moved to LA with his Michael uh, with his uh, wife Sophia, and uh, they were coming out for Boston Underground Film Festival last year, and I had just uh, had a surgery well, I was having a surgery, and uh, part of that uh, was I was going to lose my belly button and yeah. I posted about this. It was a, like actually a really serious uh, operation. and uh, so his big idea was, well let's make a documentary about it. And I thought he meant, like, a serious documentary, but that's not what he meant. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he took, like, kind of a, a really serious thing that could have been life-threatening and kind of, you know, uh, made kind of a, not a joke about that, but we just had fun with it.
1: Try to soften it me, a little bit. It's,
2: it's the best medicine. Yeah, yeah, which for me was perfect. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, I've always used, you know, uh, comedy to, uh, you know, to help during yeah. serious stuff. Things, so. Yeah. So we we did this uh, doc quote-unquote documentary, and uh, at first of all, you know, I'm just talking, he's like, no, you got to play it like really serious, that was the direction he gave me. Like, so then I knew what he was going for. Mm. And so it's uh, it wasn't scripted, we just, I just uh, made stuff up for about a half hour and he edited it down to uh, four minutes and I think it, it is very funny. So uh, so that was the first thing I did, Umbilicus Desidero, and that played uh, a lot of festivals and, and actually, uh, it's done really well, it's one, a bunch of awards, like funniest and best. It's always weird because it's one funniest and it's also one best short documentary. So I don't know if some of those think it's a straight documentary or not, but uh, that's funny to me. As
0: long as it's winning, yeah, I liked it a lot. We see right. it at the Severed Limbs Film Festival.
2: It was good times. Huh. Is there? Is it online or and anything? So from uh, no, because it was gonna play at Boston Underground Film, Fe- Film Festival this year, yeah. but it's been postponed. So we don't want to post it until it actually plays Buff. And then uh, the idea would be to... Otherwise, if it wasn't Buff, we'd probably just put it up. But since that's my first convention and where we film the movie, it would be cool to watch it at Buff, uh, you know, with people. So hopefully that happens. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with Buff.
0: Buff Bagwell. But
2: uh, So from there was... So from there, I had a really good time work with Michael and Sophia, who made that. Yeah, they seem and like. And so good they people. invited
0: me out. I'm going, sir. I uh, so they seem like good people.
2: Good folk. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if, if you ever worked with them, you know, because they used to be filmmakers in Boston. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I've never met them personally. I mean, we you do the Facebook thing, you know what I mean? But I've never. I don't think I've ever met them in person. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, uh, so uh, they were making a. Well, let's see. I can't talk about the one movie, but. But well, anyway, they were making a. Uh, we made a, They were making a secret movie in, in December, mm-hmm. and uh, so they asked me to to come out. and um, Originally, I was gonna I was gonna help with the the food, and um, and do the BTS footage. Which I said, "Oh yeah, I can do that." And so I didn't know what that meant. So after I agreed to it, I, I googled BTS footage and found I was behind the scenes. So yeah. I was glad I didn't agree to something in you know, a horror movie. Yeah, but uh, but. And so, uh, and then I came about, he's like, we have a, a small role that no one's playing. Would you play this role? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And, uh, I can like, I, I just can't talk about it because we're not supposed to talk about yeah, the yeah, yeah. specifics of the movie, but, cool. but it was just only in a scene or two and, uh, people really liked what I was doing. And so it became a bigger part of the movie, which, which I'm very happy about.
0: You're a very likable guy now. Well, thanks. I think that's, a, that's And why. so
2: on that. Yeah. So on that movie is where uh i met trista robinson who does uh, the show with me okay. now she's the lead of the movie and uh it's a similar sense of humor and stuff and we stayed in touch after did the movie and eventually now she does the show with me and then um in february right before the pandemic uh i uh we filmed another movie me michael and sophia the producers uh they directed it and that is uh that one i can talk about and that is um the once in future smash and it's a mockumentary similar to umbilicus Desidero, but a feature film. And it's about, uh, two rival actors who both take credit, uh, for a slasher that they played in a 1970 slasher film,
0: yeah.
2: uh, which is inspired by a lot of, you know, real life. Real life uh, stuff, people. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's good. And so, yeah. And so the, uh, so the idea is it's in modern day, and they're at a convention for the first time together. And you know what happens at this convention? And it was very cool. Evan McGar runs Man monster, let us uh, film at the convention. So, uh, that was invaluable. Without that, we wouldn't have been able to make the movie because we wouldn't be able to create our own, you know, convention. We just wouldn't have the money or anything for that. So we get to film at the convention and get a bunch of cameos with people. I know like John Dugan, and Dan Yeager, and, uh, Mark Patton, and, um, some other people. And, um, so the leads are Bill uh, Whedon from Kabuki Man, Sergeant Kabuki Man. He plays the villain in that. And uh, Michael St. Michael, the greasy strangler. and okay. uh, I'm also in a small part. I play myself. I play Nasty Neon, uh A bunch of uh, James Balsamo is a small, small part in it. And so we were hopefully have that finished by now, but uh, really about two weeks after that is when uh, everything got closed down. So we we're I'm not able to finish it yet, but uh, hopefully – Sometime in the near future, we can finish it. Yeah,
0: Uh, is uh, is Paul's doc still? Is it still up in the air, or is it like a
2: wrap? Well, he told me I could do whatever I want with it because he's so my idea. Because he's like, we'll just make a a Boston filmmaker documentary, which is interesting. But my idea was to take all the footage I had because I spent a day with each of the people involved in this to see. Really like not just what they give up, but what their family like because a lot of people were married or yeah. either had kids or were wanting to have kids, and you know what this meant to their dream of making movies. Because you know, you know, you obviously yeah. it's not easy to to make the independent films. And um, so I have all this footage, and then uh, so instead of just making it about Boston filmmakers, which, that's cool and all. I thought I would like to go back and then interview everyone to see how. Paul ending, you know, ungovernable films have affected them. So kind of like the ride. And also I'd like to interview Paul and see why he quit filmmaking. So, because he's very passionate in the stuff we film. So to me, it would be kind of like the, kind almost like the death of a dream. So it could be depressing or it could be uplifting if he found, you know, another passion. So I don't know where it would go, but uh, for me, that's what I would like to do with the rest of the documentary.
0: Yeah, I support that. That sounds really cool. You know, Paul's a good guy. met Paul many a time. Yeah, I like Paul uh, Paul, like his films. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that you should definitely stick with that because it, it, it's not over. You know what I mean? It's, there's like mm-hmm. uh, I like I like where you're gonna go with it. I'm looking forward. That'd be cool to see. You plan on doing uh, more? Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. You plan, plan on... on what? Sorry. Uh, you plan on doing more directing? Is direct? Like, do you want to do more uh, directing after this?
2: I would like to, yeah, I'd like to be involved in more stuff. Uh, I have some, uh, scripts that I've been working on and, uh, I plan on, uh, there's a couple projects, um, that we're going to do, uh, I was going to do with, uh, with Michael and Sophia. So, uh, again, I couldn't go out to LA, uh, after, you mm-hmm. lately, <laughs> LA so that, that didn't happen, but we have something else, uh, possibly in the works, uh, that we could do remotely. But it's so like in infancy, like there's not really many details. Yeah. Who's some
0: of your favorite? Uh, but rest- I
2: like them. We have a similar we have similar sensibilities and sense of humor, and so I, I think uh, it, it works.
0: Yeah, you guys make a good team. From 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 where I'm standing, you guys make a good team. I like what I see. Like. Uh, who's some of the your favorite wrestlers that you got the opportunity to interview? Oh. With?
2: My favorite wrestler, uh, when I was growing up was Rowdy Roddy Piper. Of course, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was my, my all time favorite. And, uh, so I get to, I never had him on the podcast, but I did, uh, do, through the horror world, was I did, uh, a panel with him and, um, and Keith David for the, uh, They, they Live. Live reunion. That's and so cool. that was a big highlight for me to, to host the, the They Live reunion panel. Was
0: that at uh, Rock and Shock? I remember he they came but they came through. Uh, for, no, it was, that, it was
2: that Days of the Dead. I'm not sure which one. It might have been. I think it was Chicago. Days of the Dead, Chicago. I'm not sure the year. Yeah,
0: I remember I met him at Rock and Shock, and he had the neck brace on, and he was like very loving. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Roddy Roddy Piper was the man, still the man.
2: Oh yeah, doing a thing. And then I get a short interview with him, a video interview. In Seattle, also at a horror convention at Mad Monster in Seattle.
0: Yeah, I'd love to have been able to sit down with him and just pick his mind about They Live and the impact. You know, a lot of yeah, people it's say, awesome. it's, say it's just as, you know, potent today than it is when it was made, you know what I mean?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And more so in a long way. Yeah, I mean, but, um, let's see. Uh, Terry Funk's one of my favorite guests on the show. Hell yeah. Uh, the Terry Funk interview was in our first year, 2005, and it was uh, in what I considered like the first major guest we had on the show. And so we had him on, and we're taking calls, and uh, Duckman, who does our wrestling theme song, he calls in, and apparently he didn't—he didn't really think we had Terry Funk because we like didn't have like you know big guests at the time. Yeah, and so he thought it was just like me doing a Terry Funk voice. And so he calls in and he goes, "Hey, Duckman." I want to know, is it true you fucked Missy Hyde on the Thanksgiving table? (laughs) And I was like, oh, God, Terry Funk's going to hang up on him. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. And then he, he, without missing a beat, he just goes, no, it was the Christmas table. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, Terry Funk's cool. He's going to have fun with this idiot. So it was a good time. Yeah, I hope I could swear. I'm sorry, I should ask that before
0: you. Uh, well, we'll add we'll it down for the kids' sh- channels that we. All right, I'm sorry. On. Yeah, no problem. All right. yeah, I don't even swear that much, but it was part of the story. I know.
2: And uh, that was good. Paul Bear is a great uh, interview. Uh, passed away, you know, unfortunately. Ah, uh,
0: yeah. Rest in
2: peace. And, yeah, he's also really fun. I like uh, like guys like that, Terry Funk and Paul Bear, because they had uh, a lot of wrestling knowledge, but they were also Cool with being silly and kind of, and goofing around, so I thought it was a good fit on the show.
0: What was the most uncomfortable wrestling interview you've ever done? I think I know um, this one. Yeah,
2: that's the easy IS? one for me. Was the Iron Sheik? Yeah,
0: yeah, the IS kid, and
2: uh, <laughs> you know, the Iron Sheik. And it was a year before he was on Stern before like he started to do this like all the, the time.
0: Shit.
2: Yeah, and uh, so he came on the show. It was, it's literally like five minutes, and uh, of the interview but the show was like three hours because he kept I kept calling we'd set it up and every time I'd call I'd, I don't even know who it was someone answered the phone and he was just like oh you know Iron Sheik will be on momentarily call back in half an hour so this went on for three hours and we finally got the Iron Sheik on and on the wrestling show I go by Jack Jackie Jones yeah. and so he just came on he's like Mr. The Jack is that the intelligent man in the Boston God not of my English and Irish paisans they went on this big spiel I don't know what he's talking about. And then he started talking about uh, Dan Marotti of Boston Wrestling. And at the time, there was uh, this big news thing that Dan Marotti said that Iron Sheik held him hostage in a car. And so he's going on you know, yelling about uh, Dan Marotti, but that the people of Applebee's tr- treated him well. And, all stuff. and I was like, oh, yeah, I read about that. He, he claimed that you held him hostage in a, in a car. And he just lost his mind. He, he was like, I'm not Osama bin Laden. I'm not Saddam Hussein. I'm all American. And then he was he went on his big thing about breaking my back and all these things. But it was, and they just hung up on him. And at the time, like, it was crazy. But it also was our most hits ever. Yeah. And, like, uh, other, like, Dave Meltzer and stuff, they cut out the audio and played on the show and, and people still tell me it's their favorite interview, which I never know how to take because it's one question and the guy hangs up on me. And I'm like, I've done like three and four hour interviews, those, you know, but this uh, this guy just yelling at me, hanging up, is your favorite? Well, uh, I mean, I guess it's cool that they listen. But uh, when he started to do that on Howard Stern, I actually sent uh, the Stern people the clip. I thought, oh, he did this on our show like a year ago, but uh, they never replied. But I, I, I say Howard Stern stole my, my iron sheet bit.
0: Hey, that's an honor right there. Sheiky baby. I did call
2: him the next day, too, to apologize. Yeah. And he clearly had no memory of it. Ah. Uh, he had no memory
0: that this happened. Yeah, he's got to be top top five, at least.
2: Craziest mm-hmm.
0: of all time.
2: And then, then I had him back on just a couple years ago, and I actually thought it, was a re- it went really well. It was mm. like a nice interview, and no one ever talks about that. They just talk about the one we're handing up Yeah,
0: they like the drama. They like the drama. <laughs> right. Did you ever see the documentary on Sheik?
2: Yeah, that's why we had him on. Oh, okay. was, uh, we had him on uh, talking about the documentary, him and the, um, uh, the director. But yeah, it's, it's uh, really kind of, you know, i would say heartbreaking, but it's, it's very emotional. You kind of see why, yeah. you know, the Iron Sheik is the way he is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a good doc. Um, Melissa, you got any questions?
1: You guys totally lost me with the wrestling talk.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> There'll be more, too.
1: I'm sure there will be. I'm, I'm... Like, completely lost. I have, I know nothing about wrestling anymore.
2: Well, but... I, I, I get a lot of that, uh, even who listen to the wrestling podcast I do, is a lot of them don't even watch current wrestling. Uh, they either watched in the '80s with like Hulk Hogan, or watched then and then came back in the '90s, or only watched in the '90s. You know, like the Attitude Era. But yeah. uh, there's a big part of the audience uh, that haven't watched wrestling in a long time.
0: Yeah, I don't really keep up with it now.
1: It's, but, it's so staged now. It's like watching a, It's like watching Days of Our Lives.
0: There's more soap opera, too. Well,
2: right now, there's no there's no crowd, and it's really, it's really, I don't even watch WWE, because uh, it's just not, nothing about entertaining, because they're out there yeah, wrestling in front energy. of uh, empty, an empty, <laughs> now they put some wrestlers in the crowd, so there's like some interaction, but yeah. for a while, there was they just did it literally in an empty arena, and it was just like bizarre to even watch.
0: Yeah, you need the the audience for the pop to get that the you know the
2: excitement, the adrenaline,
0: energy. yeah, the energy, you know.
2: Yeah, and they would even like look at the crowd as if there was a crowd there, and like, you know, like put their hand, like doing something to get some kind of interaction with the crowd, and it was literally empty seats, and it was just like this very bizarre thing.
0: Yeah. Do you uh, do you believe the Montreal Screwjob was real, or fake, or work? What do you think?
2: I believe. I think I I, I believe it's real. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Very nice. Who uh, If you could, if you could interview any living person in the wrestling world, who would it be?
2: Mm. Well, Undertaker's doing interviews now. So yeah. Maybe he would do it. Um, Vince McMahon would be cool. I mean, the odds of that ever happening are not good, but uh, Vince McMahon would be a, a huge one. I Paul Heyman actually would be really. Good That'd be cool. Too. Yeah.
0: I don't know if Vinnie Mack yeah. would give you the truth. That
2: would be a good guess and possi- more possible than getting Vince McMahon. I believe it. How about uh, Dead? Dead? The uh, yeah. let's... Yeah. <laughs> trying to think. Well, I've had a Piper, like the Neverland yeah. podcast. Um, mm, there's a lot of uh, great, you know, wrestlers that aren't with us anymore. Kurt Henning would have been good. Yeah. Uh... I had Bobby Heenan on the show. That's another uh, great guest. Oh, that's He's, cool. Uh, being, uh, having Bobby Heenan on the show.
1: And, I do uh, uh, it Real to... Oh
2: yeah, I've had I've had uh, Superfly on the show a couple times too. Wasn't it on your show where he uh,
0: he spilled the beans and, and and his remorse for what he did?
2: See, he it's in his book, which <laughs> is very strange. So I had him <laughs> on after he wrote this book. Yeah. Uh, where he talks about, you know, the death of his girlfriend. And he uh basically, he doesn't say, like, he killed her, but he says, like, you know, he didn't bring her to the hospital, and, like, that consumed his life, you yeah. know, his guilt over uh, the woman dying. And from that book, they reopened the case, which I don't know why he put it in the book. It's very strange to do. And I remember at the time it was very weird because it was literally right at that same time that he was supposed to go to... uh they reopened it, and he was supposed to the to court. Then they were like, "Oh, well, he's not. He can't because he's not be- mentally stable to do it. He's got, you know, uh, he's got dementia and stuff." And I was like, "Man, I literally just interviewed him like two weeks ago, and he, <laughs> he did an interview. So I don't know, you know, how up uh, how up and up this is that he's not mentally able to, to go to trial when he when I literally just interviewed him." But yeah, it was a very bizarre time
0: when O.J. Simpson was going to release that book, If I Did It. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? What a world. <laughs> O.J. Simpson is a horror
2: movie. Scary. Uh-huh. Melissa Hyde. Apparently, they tried, to get, they tried to get O.J. Simpson to do a wrestling match in the 90s, or I don't know if they tried to get him, but I think uh, someone pitched the idea to do, like, some kind of... Uh, it was, you know, after, after the case, to do, like, yeah. uh, an oh, angle after? with O.J. Simpson. Wow.
0: And the attitude era. Wow, that would have been interesting. It would
1: have been the real celebrity death match.
0: You could have had Kato Kalin. Kato Kalin would have made a great manager. <laughs> you could have came down with him.
2: I could see. Yeah, I could see that.
0: So for this, uh, for for horror, if you could uh, interview anybody living in the horror world today, who would it be? Hmm.
2: Uh, John Carpenter, probably that would be a that'd be awesome.
0: That would be cool. I always hope that they'll bring him around to do a convention, but I don't think that'll ever happen. The closest, we yeah, got... I
2: don't, yeah, yeah. From my understanding, he's just not into doing that because I know they tried to get him in a cameo in a couple movies, uh, like Tales from Halloween, and he was just like not interested, which is unfortunate.
0: It is unfortunate, but I think he feels he's done what he's gonna do. Type deal. He came by on mm-hmm. his tour. He was touring the albums uh, that, that they released recently, right. and that was the the closest I think we could get to him would be would be you know I think there was a meet and greet for that. How, how about a um a horror icon that has passed away?
2: Oh yeah, there's a lot of those. Vincent Price would probably be right up at the top. And Boris Karloff. Yeah, those are good ones.
0: Did I ever ask you what your favorite horror movie was?
2: Uh, No, but uh, it depends, like, what mood I'm in. So it's always a couple, it's like three that I would fluctuate through. So uh, Psycho, I think it's probably the best. Uh, Frankenstein has always been, uh, like, my favorite and what kind of got me into horror. And uh, Creepshow holds a special place because uh, it's very fun. And it's also the first VHS tape that my mom bought me back in the eighties. Oh, back cool. when they, you know, they were like ninety dollars. You know, yeah. people might think today, like, oh, big deal, she bought you, you know, a two dollar VHS tape. But it was a big deal back in the eighties,
0: for sure. Did you get a chance to meet George at Rock and
2: Shock? No, I never met George Romero. I uh, almost had him on the show a few times, and it and, uh, sadly, never worked out. But I, I never had, a, I never met him in person. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think he did like two years at the uh, at Rock and Shock.
2: Yeah, Mel. might have been the years because a couple years I was sick and couldn't go.
0: Yeah, I missed a couple. Mel, how you doing over there? Yeah,
1: I want I want to say it was like 2015
2: that George Romero was last at Rock and Shock. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that might because uh, that's yeah. probably the year. Yeah, because I I guess, well, four years ago I got sick. I think it was, but. I know a couple times there's reasons I couldn't go to Rock and Shock sadly, but and then you always regret, especially if there's no more Rocket and Shock. You regret even just no more things. Like you regret, like man, I should. Uh, you should always take advantage when you have a chance to do something because you never right. know, like when something like this happens and you're not able to do anything.
0: Yeah, you know. Speaking of Rock and Shock and not taking advantage of things, I remember like when Corey Haim was at Rock and Shock like the year before he passed. Um, was it Matthew Gregory tiny from, um, house of a thousand corpses. Oh, you know? yeah. yep. He was there like a year before he passed and you look at you, you go through, you know, you spend a lot of money and all that stuff. So like you're going through and you're like, oh, I'll get them next year type deal. And then it's, uh, right. then they pass. It's very unfortunate. But yeah, Jill- yeah,
2: you never know if there is a next year, you know, for, for you or for, you know, any of the people. Yeah, true fact. Or for just shows in general. No one would have foreseen, you know, shows not happening.
0: Maybe that building might not even, it might have a, an issue, might have a problem, and the building's not even there. That's
2: true. Yeah. Any, anything could yeah. happen. I know even being in that area this last time, like, it was kind of depressing, because, like, everything was closed. Yeah. Like, just that whole Worcester area that was... Uh, you know, very. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, weird, it's weird when you see an when, area that's normally bustling with all kinds of activity looking like a ghost town.
2: Truth. Yeah, it was, there was there was literally more parking lots than like open places. There's like big giant buildings that were just totally closed. It was it was it was kind of sad just walking around. Yeah, what's Neil Jones
0: listen to uh, for music when you're on these big walks? These big five ten mile walks. Oh, what do you listen
2: you, to? Yeah, that's weird because uh, not music I would I normally used to listen to. But yeah. uh, since I changed my lifestyle and stuff, I don't really l- listen to a lot of the old music I used to listen to because it kind of puts me in like a negative mindset hmm. or like uh like I used to listen because I grew up in the '90s, so a lot of, like stuff when I graduated would have been like the nice. Smashing Pumpkins yeah. and Nirvana and that's. So, uh, when I'm walking, I listen to a lot of, like, uh, cheesy 80s music just because it kind of keeps me upbeat. Yeah. Uh, or uh, I actually listen to a lot of audiobooks when I'm walking. Oh, that's cool. What was
0: the last good audiobook you listened to? Uh,
2: I just listened to If It Bleeds. It's a new, uh, Stephen King. It's a bunch of short uh, Well, not short stories, really, novellas. It's like, uh, like four, uh, short, uh, n- novels.
0: Yeah, I always support, uh, the... The uh, the audio books you could just throw them on and roll right through them,
2: boom. Yeah, I love them. I used to listen to them because I used to have really bad eyesight and I was mm. legally blind in the one eye, and so like it was like actually hard for me to to read like a book. And uh, I had LASIK, which actually did fix all that. But uh, but I just stuck with them because I was used to them. And then when I started to walk a lot, or even just traveling, uh, they're they're great. I think you know you could on a plane or a bus, or when I'm walking around town, you can, uh, I know some people don't like them because it's hard for them to pay attention, so I can get that, but, yeah. um, you can always rewind, rewind it if you, you start to uh, wander, you know, wander away from the book. Truth. Is- I mean, you're taking 13 mile walks on a day. I mean, you can probably go through an audio
1: book and what, two walks?
2: it was funny because i uh when the pandemic started i was like oh, i'm gonna read the stand because i always want to read it yeah. but it's so long it's a 48 hour runtime and then so i was like oh that's the time to do it but then when i started listening to it it's all about you know this disease spreading around the world around the, <laughs> the country and everyone dying and i was like I don't think this is the the great book to be reading right now at the moment. But I, uh, I eventually went back to. I did stop reading, uh, listening to it for a little bit because it was right at the start of the pandemic, and I was like, this just really isn't a very uh, good thing to be for, to listen to at the moment. But when things started to get a little better, I, I uh, got back into it, and I did finish it. It took me it took me a couple weeks, but I, I finished the all forty eight hours of the stand.
0: You got in your head, without your head. What's Neil's obsession with head?
2: <laughs> so when we should, i kind of like to keep the uh, keep them you know together somehow yeah. so i also do inside your head which i haven't done for a little while but uh because i used to would have like if i had happened to interview someone that doesn't in wrestling or a horror mm-hmm. to me it was fine just to have on the horror show but some people were like why well, is this guy on the show he's right. got nothing to do with all the god i don't know so, I started a third one just to interview random people that, that I find interesting, like David Ruprecht from uh, Supermarket Sweep. So, yeah. anyway, that's inside your head. But, uh, so when we first started the show, uh, it was in your head, and, uh, at the time I was kind of like an internet troll on a message board, so I was jacking off. Jack, yeah. middle initial N, last name off, Jackinoff. off. And so when we started the show, we had no intention of doing this as like an actual show. It was just going to be something stupid. And I was like, well, I'll just call it jacking off in your head. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so after a couple of weeks, I was like, it was funny to me. I was in my twenties then. So it was like different sense of humor, but after a few, literally after like three weeks, I was like, well, it's kind of—it's not really a very funny name, so I, I dropped it. The, the, plus, when we started to get guests, I didn't want to be like calling up someone and be like, "Hey, it's this J.J. Dillon, I'm jacking off," and they'd probably just hang up. <laughs> yeah. So I changed the name eventually to to just Jack, and then eventually Jackie Jones, which it is now. But I don't know. I know some people think uh are wonder wonder about the name, but. I also like that it's uh, like without your head, it's a, it's a peculiar name. It's, it's it's unique. I don't think uh, anyone else really has a, has a name like that.
0: Yeah. It stood out to me the first time I heard it.
2: Uh
0: Which fan base do you think has a a tougher audience uh, that are tougher on their creators, horror or wrestling? wrestling? By
2: far, the the, (laughs) the (laughs) the wrestling crowd, they're like, there's a lot of trolls. uh, A lot of people that, uh, uh right now, like I've, since I changed, you know, my attitude a lot, when I, people don't know, 2018 was really sick and I changed my, uh uh my diet, and I started walking every day, I stopped drinking and uh, from there, not only did I get physically healthier, I got mentally healthier and I just became a, a more positive person and uh the rest, there, not everyone, there's a lot of very nice wrestling uh fans, and don't get yeah. me wrong, but there yeah. is a big portion of them that like, don't like that, like, like they'll be like, oh, you're funnier when you're drunk on the show, and uh, now you're you're too uh, too woke and like you're too nice, and it's it's very strange. It's a it's a, it's a weird audience on the on the wrestling one. For the for the most part, everyone's very uh, supportive in the horror world, and there are a lot of supportive people in the wrestling world. I don't want to make it seem like they're all you know uh, terrible people, but uh, for me, for, I would say the wrestling. Uh, uh, the crowd is much much rougher.
0: Yeah, I want to say like, a couple weeks ago, there was like a female wrestler from Japan or something that got like online bullied into killing herself, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And then it's there were fans who made fire fun fire of fire fire her dark. killing herself. It's dark. Yeah, And then the fans made fun of her killing herself. It's like, what? what? This is crazy. And, um, there was a guy who listened to my shows for years and then he, and I mean, I knew him really well. even had him on my, uh, so I don't give my number up to a lot of people, you know, like my my uh, cell phone number. Yeah. And so I, he was one of the people I did, and I text a lot, and he would just send me really nasty stuff about like wanting like uh, Nyla Rose to kill herself, who's a trans uh, woman wrestler, and like I just wouldn't reply because I don't I don't know if he's serious or if he's trying to joke, but I don't really find humor in someone killing themselves. Right. And, like, so after a while, he he ended up blocking me because he said, like, I was too woke. And, and it's just, uh, it's a really weird thing. I don't, I don't really, like, and I, I think people can joke about whatever they want. I'm not saying you can't, but yeah. I find it strange if people want to, like, uh, joke about someone killing themselves. I, I don't, I don't really understand that.
1: I don't find the humor in that.
2: Yeah,
0: I don't know if no, going, I don't either. going for a shock value or what, but yeah, it's a little too much sometimes. You, you wouldn't see that in the horror community.
2: You know what I mean? Even if no. They, no. Even, and if you did, like, no one else, people wouldn't really support it. They'd be like, you know, get this guy person out of here.
0: Even, yeah, even if you had, like, a, a horror celebrity that ha- had, like, a history of, you know, maybe, like, substance abuse or something like that, and they died. Right. And they died, you know, they're, they're not going to get bashed. But if you have, like, a wrestler that had, like, a history of substance abuse, you know, they're, they're going to be all over that, you know what I mean? It's going to be... Yeah, it's really it's really bizarre.
2: I don't understand it. It's kind and of, even if you thought that, I would just, like, keep that to yourself. Like, don't, I don't know why you... So yeah. I think a lot of it is, like, uh, since wrestling is, like, uh, heels and baby faces, like, they're trying to be, like, a, a, a heel, you know, and the only way they could think of being, like, a, a heel is to be really, like, over the top and say something outlandish. That's the only thing I can figure
0: yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, do you get in the dark side of the ring? The show?
2: Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I like it a lot. Um, this season, especially. I like last season too, but I thought this season had a lot of uh, really great episodes.
0: Yeah, um, that big Benoit one, the big double episode. There's the Chris Benoit the darkest yeah. story in, in in the annals of, of of wrestling? You think?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean that. Really, almost ended wrestling for a while because when he uh, killed his family and killed himself, uh, that was a huge black mark in wrestling. It really put wrestling in question. You know, it was all over the news. You know, a lot. You know, uh, channels that normally would never talk about professional wrestling. Yeah, that was a big blow to, uh, to wrestling.
0: Yeah, and they were really they were trying Plus to. See,
2: what? Like, I understand. I understand it wasn't necessarily their fault, but the idea that WWE did a tribute to him yeah, that well, night.
1: They didn't um, know that And then yeah. looking
2: back at that like they had this tribute to this guy, you know, who murdered his son and daughter. And I understand they didn't know at the yeah. time, but I mean his son and his wife.
0: Yeah, and then they plucked him, right? He's no longer uh he's no longer found anywhere. If I, if I remember, correctly. yeah, I
2: think like some of his matches might still be on there. You just can't search for him. So, like, if you put in Benoit, like, it won't come up. But I think a lot of his stuff is still like on the network, like in Royal Rumbles and stuff like that.
0: What's your opinion of Benoit as a wrestler um, outside of what he did?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I was, I'm, I'm not I, even you know before this, I never thought he was as quite as great as people said. Because uh, for me, I like. I like a wrestler who is more than just like doing cool moves. Yeah. Like that's why I like Roddy Piper. He's a great talker. Right. And Benoit was not a good talker at all, but I can't deny he was a good in-ring, you know, wrestler. He's definitely uh you know, and his stuff looked real. And, you know, I like that about him, but uh, he was never like one of my favorite uh, wrestlers because he didn't have like what I look for in a wrestler. I like, uh, I kind of like the total package. They could right. be good in the ring, but, I really, I want to be entertained by you know uh, them, their promos and them as a character.
0: Do you have a favorite era of wrestling?
2: Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I really like the Crockett '80s era, mm-hmm. um, with like uh, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Four Horsemen. Yeah, and uh, I really like the '90s ECW from like '94 to '97. Uh, those are probably my favorite, and the Monday Night Wars were great too. When Nitro and, and uh, Raw were were at their best.
0: Who cuts the best promos, Piper?
2: Yeah, it's hard to beat Piper. Ric Flair is up there too. But, yeah, uh, I would say Ric Flair's probably more consistent, but when uh, when Piper was at his best, he's my favorite.
0: How many times has he has Flair won the World Championship? well do I up think? To? Seventeen. Yeah. I'm surprised he's still kicking around. I'm happy, I know, because he's, he's a really but... big, harsh guy, but yeah, yeah, still around. You ever meet George
2: the Animal I met Steel? him. I met him in Texas. That was cool. Uh, yeah, how was he? Good guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, not not really, to be no? honest, but he, he, was, he was fine. <laughs> Honestly, he, uh, when he saw my friend at the time, uh, well, she saw my friend, but, uh, she was on the show with me at the time, uh, Annabelle. He was like all about her, but, uh, he couldn't care less about me. Yeah. Well, in fact, when I, cause, uh, a mutual friend introduced and she's like, Oh, this is Neil. He does a podcast. And he just like at me said, Bye.
1: And then uh-huh. he signed Annabelle
2: and he's like, Oh, and it's like, Oh man, kind of creepy, but, but, uh, not like wasn't groping or anything. I've always heard weird stories
0: of uh, flair like that. What can you do? What can you do? You know. What well, it's awesome. There is you a guys thing like backyard
1: wrestling.
2: Oh, what was that? I'm sorry.
1: I said, I for some reason I could see the both of you doing like backyard wrestling <laughs> just because. Well,
2: I used to when I was a kid. Yeah. But I do think people get a different idea of what if I say I did backyard wrestling because they'll see like the people hitting each other with light bulbs and light tubes. And st- like, I never did anything like that. We just wrestled around and, tr- and, try- and didn't try to hurt each other or anything. We just, you know, was trying to mimic the wrestling we saw on TV. But uh, none of us were, like, hitting each other with tables or, or impaling each other with nails or anything like that.
0: That was a big culture, though. I mean, that that's the that when Attitude Era was at its peak. And oh, yeah. Everybody was all about wrestling at that
2: time. Mm-hmm yeah yeah I, you know I was a kid in the 80s so we we were wrestling you know back in the 80s like uh, you know watching demolition because I remember when my friend and I would do the demolition finisher, nice. which I don't recommend anybody yeah. not only would it hurt but uh you put like uh, one guy over your knee and the other guy would drop the elbow, so we would do that off my deck like I'd put the another kid over my knee and my friend would drop the elbow off the deck which but we would always do this stuff trying not to hurt each other because we'd watch the wrestling and try to figure out how they did it without you know killing each other right but again i don't recommend this i don't want anyone out there uh, breaking their neck i used to give my
1: dad a heart attack all the time as a kid because like that during that like whole 80s period was like when like jimmy Superfly flies was always wrestling and i loved him like that's the one i can actually Uh remember and every time my dad never knew i would just like launch myself at him trying to you know (laughs) doing super Yeah,
0: I seen Mel get power bombed in a kitchen once. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah like
1: that episode.
0: <laughs> the, the marvelous Jack Daniels.
1: Well, too much of everything. <laughs> um,
2: there is a video of me body slamming a guy in a in a uh, or twice actually, uh, body slamming a guy in uh, in a theater.
0: Okay.
2: At a horror convention. You ever think of... I'll send it to you after.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see that. you ever think about getting into, uh, like, commentating for wrestling?
2: I did, actually, uh, for local wrestling. I kind of forget the name of the company. But, uh, yeah, it was local wrestling here. I did the commentary as Uncle Slam Jackie Jones. And I wore a red, white, and blue and a big Uncle Sam hat. And uh, I remember... uh, it was, um, Johnny Fabulous. Yeah. Who I didn't know at the time, but that's, uh, John Cena's father. Oh. And he was managing just, uh, Canadian, uh, the Canadian Pitbulls, I think. And so he got in the ring and he starts yelling at me. And so I got up and I, and I got the crowd to chant USA. And yeah. he was a really nice guy. And I remember at, even at the time, people would chant John Cena at him and I didn't know, like, why. It never dawned on me. And then I remember seeing him pop up on WWE TV as, you know, with Cena's dad, I was like, oh shit, that's uh, Johnny Fabulous. I didn't realize he really is John Cena's son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When
0: was the last time you did, uh, went to like an old high school show? Wrestling? Yeah, show. that was,
2: uh, that was that one. That was um, that. the commentary. It was actually at a, at a high school, like commentary. But, um, let's see. Well, uh, right before the pandemic, it wasn't a high school, but, um, they started doing this wrestling at the Kingston Mall, uh, at the uh, I forget the name of it, but the bowling alley. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a bowling alley restaurant.
0: Yeah, and they
2: cool. had a re- and they had a they were going to come there every month, and we we went to both shows. And then even the last one, the second one we did was right when this started, and so you know then sure that they just couldn't do it anymore. But I think I saw on their Facebook they're going to start doing them again. You know, uh, soon I think, but. That was really fun. I think any live wrestling is fun. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, seeing local guys or, you know, maybe a couple legends. Even if it's all local guys, there's something fun about being there. Yeah. You know, interacting with the crowd and everybody.
0: Yeah, I've been to both. I mean, you know, the big, like, uh, you know, TD Bank North Garden size WWE Mm -hmm. events and, you know, high school. And I always, I usually appreciate the high school ones better. They're more intimate. You get a better chance of meeting the yeah. folks, the old, old timers after the, after the, you know, the gig and stuff.
2: It's good. Yeah. yeah. I went to two WrestleManias and, uh, like I had a good time, but like, you know, you're pretty far up there and you're not, you're not going to really interact with anybody. But, and then I was at AEW pay-per-view this year in Chicago and. Uh that the AEW live shows are amazing. I would recommend them to uh, yeah. anybody. Uh, even though I think uh I know if you don't watch wrestling currently, I think you might enjoy AEW. I think it's a lot of fun.
0: I like uh, I mean I like every. I don't know why I don't watch that, maybe cuz I know that I can't watch it enough to keep up with the storyline and everything, but like I I I appreciate all the high flying and you know all that stuff and um I just don't, I don't know, I don't get into it, but yeah, more of like a late 80s, 90s, I kind of dropped out after the Attitude Era, but like, as a kid, you know, definitely I had a good run, you know what I mean, it's good, the, uh, do you,
1: do you have any wrestling swag that you've had, like, autographed by somebody that's like, your favorite thing oh ever?
2: I have a Matra Man Randy Savage uh, cowboy hat that he he wore at WrestleMania ten, and it's signed oh. by him. So uh, I would think that's my my biggest uh, wrestling uh, memorabilia. Wow,
0: that's cool. How'd you yeah. get? And
2: uh, a Bob Backlin, He was running for uh, Congress <laughs> um, in the nineties, and uh, was at the Cape Cod Melody Tent, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Hyannis. Yeah, and uh, he wasn't even booked on the show. He wasn't in the WWE at the time, and he he just was outside, uh, like running for Congress and selling shirts and like telling people to vote for him. And so I uh, I bought a shirt that says Bob Backlund for Congressman, and he signed it and uh, and I oh and I got the picture with him, and it was uh it was in Wow magazine, which I was really cool at the time. It was like ninety three or something. So. It was, it was quite a while ago. But I saw the T shirt, I, I wrapped it up and up uh, and kept it in a Ziploc bag. That that that's fun.
0: Well, Backlin has one of the best look in his eyes and nobody's uh-huh. home no nobody's <laughs> home look of all time. Like uh-huh. I remember the, the when him and Bret Hart had that big riff. What was that in the nineties when uh
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he'd he like, he just like black out with and put him in the cross face chicken wing. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Backlund, though, I think... Yeah, I was at that,
2: that WrestleMania when they they wrestled. He was oh, WrestleMania 11.
0: Really? I believe Bob Backlund He's lost... He's in Hartford. It. Quickest, quickest time, quickest, like, uh, title loss <laughs> to Diesel. Do you remember that? When he, he like, yeah, he won
2: the belt, but then, like, he yeah, he lost it to Diesel, like a house show a couple days later.
0: In, like, two seconds, the, the bell rang, he ran at him, got power bombed, and that was a wrap. That was it. Uh-huh. Yeah, the good old days. The good old days of wrestling. One day, Neil's going to have his own wrestling federation. It will support it. Where would nail like this. I never season.
2: had ball back then. I have had, I have had diesel on on the uh, on the. How is podcast, diesel? So he's, that was fun. He's Kevin seen,
0: Ash. How's Kevin Ash? He seems like someone that could be. Oh, he was
2: great. Depending was, on his he mood. was really. Uh, I didn't know either because I kind of What you're going there. You could <laughs> think maybe he wouldn't be like uh, yeah. he was a nice guy, and maybe he didn't want to talk. to But he was a uh, really nice. He's really cool. So was in Scott Hall.
0: Scott Hall seems cool too. Yeah. The. Um, there was this big, um, wrestling, like, convention they had maybe, like, five, six years ago, and I know that Scott Hall was, like, the big, they had him, and they had, like, um, Tiny from, like, Friday, and, like, No no Holds Barred there.
2: Right,
0: Zeus. Zeus, yeah. and, uh, yeah. yeah, I met, um, George the Animal Steel, that he was there, which was, oh, nice. you know, that was super cool, because you get some old-time, old-timey, you know, wrestling stories, and, you know, he got to talk you talked yeah. about Ed Wood being an Ed Wood too. And the best part yeah, of yeah. the best part about George the Animal Steel is his his like prices were still living in the eighties and I paid like ten dollars right. yeah, I paid ten bucks for like an eight by ten and like maybe two eight by tens. But uh that's the one thing I hate about all conventions right now is the they tag you, they hit you with fucking any if they could take your teeth, they'd take your teeth. For that autograph, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, that
2: was that was a good thing about about Sid. He never raised his prices, and he was uh, always had a big line, which I think is a good uh good example for people. Because uh, Sid Sid Haig was at like every convention, yeah. he used so many places, and so I knew some of the people had already had his autograph or whatever, but they would get it again because he was selling it for like ten dollars, you know. And uh, I think that's smart. I think because uh, if you put it too high sure you might get a few people, you know, to buy something, but if you had a reasonable price, you're going to get, like, you know, a, a certain flow of people that are, that are going to buy your stuff.
0: Well, that's the they, I don't think the they, they don't... Like, certain people have been playing the game for a while, like, sitting them know the deal that, like, you're going to give the... You know, you, you, you have a career because of these people, and, like, you being cool mm-hmm. to these people is, like... It's what keeps you around, you know what I mean? And certain people understand that. Oh yeah.
2: And uh, it's yeah, weird. Well, I won't name names, but I know I know people at conventions that aren't necessarily like a big name. Yeah. But they're very fun to be around and then they would get booked a lot because not only you know, hey, this is a name on here, but it adds to the atmosphere of the convention.
0: Oh absolutely. For sure.
2: To go and back And I've known people, I've seen people that you could you could tell didn't want to be there. And unless they're a giant name, they're probably not going to be booked, you know, at future conventions once people realize that.
0: True. Yeah, yeah, you can really tell when. Uh, and they don't and, want to be
2: yeah, there. and you're and you're an actor, so if you don't want to be there, at least act. <laughs> I know.
0: Exactly. Good old days. Yes, yeah, Sid. I, I, my fun Sid story that I like the most is uh, of him being cool. Is. My buddy was in a, over in Iraq, and he came home and on leave, and we went to the Rock and Shock. And uh, I know he he had a, like a bootleg version of the Devil's Rejects, which I understand. You know how people feel about bootleg things, but I remember him yeah, going. I down,
2: actually have that myself.
0: But yeah. Hell yeah! Well, there you go. I remember go, going down the line of people and. You know, when they found out that he had the bootleg, he'd tell him, you know, he got it because he was in, you know, he was away. Uh, he couldn't. The only way he could see the movie was through the bootleg. And he actually got some dirty looks over it, which was weird. But then, like, when he got to Sid's table, I remember Sid got up and shook his hand and thanked him for his service, gave him the free autograph. Yeah. And, like, stuff like that. Like, I think Sid understood the impact that he was having on the fans. You know what I mean? Like, he, I think he knows how much... Thank- being cool and mean to people,
2: you know what I mean. Definitely, yeah. And just to explain why I have the bootleg, because I'm definitely not someone who <laughs> favors bootlegs. But yeah. there was a period of time when it didn't look like the movie would ever come out. Yeah. And I, I uh, back in like kind of the Wild West days of eBay, before there was really any rules, there was tons of bootlegs, and I ordered the bootleg of the movie because it wasn't available anywhere. It didn't it wasn't even released to the, to, at theaters or anything. But then later on, I got when it was actually released. Not Devil's Rejects, House of Thousand Forces
0: yeah, well, I ran into some trouble, I remember, for a little bit.
2: Yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't... For a long time, I, I've not watched it since then. I, I should watch it to see if it's any different than the actual cut that was released. I think something is
0: different about it. I think I, I remember hearing yeah. that. You a big Rob Zombie
2: fan? Um, no, I mean, I like some of his stuff. I really like, uh... Devil's Rejects. So I think it's my favorite of his. Agreed. I'm probably... I know some people really love him and some people really hate him and I, I don't hate him or more love him. Uh, I like some of his stuff, though. I like that. I even like... Uh, which most people hate, but I like... Uh, I thought... Sail, I thought uh, Lords of Salem was pretty good. I love Lords I of Salem. I do, too. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know why... it gets, I think it gets... People don't like it because it's not the same as Devil's Rejects in Thirty One, but I like that because it's a different. It's not you know the same uh, same movie with kind of the redneck characters and stuff. It's a, it's a different movie. I think it's a really good movie. It's like this, the descent into madness and hell. And uh, I thought I thought it was much better movies.
0: Yeah, I said I think it's number. I, I always say number two right after uh, Devil's Rejects is Lord to Salem. But that you were right. I mean, yeah, it, I think what, I'd agree with that. It didn't have the style. You know of what people were used to with the Rob Zombie film, and uh, it really threw yeah. him for a loop. It was his most kind of normal, if you will, if you to, to use for you know, lack of a better word, his most normal. Kind of would fit into the fit into. It's almost like uh, an executive sat him down and was like, "All right, Rob, we need you to do something a little more normal for the audience this time." You know what I mean? Like we're going for yeah. a bigger out. Uh, we're going for a bigger audience this time, Mister Zombie. You know, and he came up with that, but uh, he's got an. Yeah, ind- I
2: think it's too bad because then, since that that like got so much negativity, I think he really went back to kind of just putting out stuff that really was similar to to the other things. Which, you know, it's fine, but uh, I'd re- I, I personally would rather see you know different things and just kind of the same idea over and over.
0: Yeah, he's trying to do a Groucho Marx movie, which I would love to see. I think that would be great. Like in the later years of yeah, like the later years of Groucho Marx's life, where it wasn't so good. Um, Right. And I think that that would be. I would love to see him do that. You know what I mean? He had a thing where he was trying to make some film, like it was like an action movie, and. it did. It fell through. So then, supposedly, he pitched. He said he went to the studio and pitched the worst idea he could think of, and they said okay. <laughs> and it was thirty one. And um. Uh-huh. So now, yeah, it's weird. I think he just kind of, he's just kind of moving around in the shuffle. Then, uh, did what? Did you think of the third installment of the Devil's Rejects?
2: I wasn't a fan. I was really looking forward to it because uh, I love Devil's Reject yeah. and uh, I love all the people involved. Yeah, and I really wanted to like it, and so I've watched it a couple times. And uh, but I just uh, I didn't really care for it. It was a lot of it's very much just the Devil's Rejects again. And I really think the handling of it. I know it was sick and everything, but yeah. I think the handling of the, the Captain Spaulding characters I've been better off if. If his the the end of the Spalding, I think was Devil's Rejects, because you get one good scene with them. I do think his delivery is very good in the scene, yeah. but then like his you know not to spoil the movie, but his death is off camera. Yeah, and like within like six minutes of the movie, and I was like, man, that's the uh, kind of a sad way to end the uh, you know one of the most iconic horror characters of modern times. I agree. Yeah. I agree That with was that, yeah. that was
1: the one thing I didn't like about it either.
0: Yeah, and then the cousin, whoever that they brought in to kind of replace him, he had a lot on his plate trying to fill in for, for Sid. Which yeah. And it didn't, didn't quite come yeah. through. And,
2: and I think yeah. he's a really good actor, Richard Frey, because yeah. I, I thought he was the best part of 31. Yeah. Um, I agree. But it, it was almost like too similar to the Otis character, so it was almost like two Otises.
0: Right. It's true.
2: And I kind of felt his acting was like out of a different movies kind of more serious, where a lot of the other acting in is a little, you know, tongue in cheek. So I, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan. So, but especially, like you said, about the the Captain's Fall. Which filmmaker,
0: horror filmmakers, or filmmakers in general, do you get excited for when you hear they're making a new movie?
1: Hmm.
2: Well, I'm actually looking forward to Tom Sex new movie because I'm a big fan of the first uh, uh, Human Centipede film. Yeah, uh, I don't know uh, what this will be like from the from the trailer. Um, hmm, I don't know because a lot of my favorite you know, directors don't, don't are either passed away or don't make uh, movies anymore. Yeah, um, I like the uh, I forget the name but uh, did a director made Midsummer. I liked it a lot, so I look forward, the forward to whatever he has next. Ari Aster. The yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He's like the king of uh, cult movies right now, which I appreciate. He's got that on Yeah, yeah I really
2: like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, uh, now, you don't aren't a big fan of Hereditary, is that correct? Or you are? No,
2: I, I kind of feel like I should watch it again. but Because uh, I, I really didn't like Ali Saw it once, and it wasn't... I think I, some... I mean, maybe I still wouldn't like I don't know, but... Sometimes if a movie's really hyped up and you go into it and it yeah. doesn't live up to your expectations, you might not look at it fairly. But I should give it another shot. Yeah, but I wasn't big on it. I, I had style. to
1: watch. I had to watch both of those movies, both Mitsama and Hereditary. I had to watch them a couple of times each before I like really liked it because there's so much going on, even though you don't realize it, that you miss a lot. So when you rewatch it, you'll pick up the things that you missed previously, right. which Makes it better yeah. because you're understanding more of what's going on. Because you start, I started picking out things that I didn't realize in the background that was related to the, you know, what was going to happen in the future of the movie.
0: Yeah, well, I like Hereditary like straight from the get go. I loved it. I think I think it's a modern day masterpiece. You know, Midsummer was very cool too, but I don't think it's as good as Hereditary. I'd be curious to see. I like hereditary. He
2: I mean, I like that better, but I will have to. Uh, I, I'm going to give it another shot. I know a lot of people love hereditary.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's like the the the, the horror community is kind of torn. You have like people that yeah, half of them that love blood guts and like you know tits, and then you have the other ones that love like that more highbrow, um, almost like a hipster horror type thing, like a hereditary type film mm-hmm. where it's not all blood and guts, but it's more inner horror type deal yeah um
2: yeah. i'm somebody who really it just depends on my mood because i like I, I like something really silly yeah and, like i love basket case and the stuff and but you know i love psycho and like can you can you really compare if you're a psycho to basket case but i <laughs> like i probably like them both equally you know right. in their own way so it kind of depends what kind of mood i am in. yeah you know I love a lot of you know I think zombies are ever done, but like growing up like I you know I loved you know most of the zombie movies and I liked a lot of gore movies and you know the that's the cool thing about the horror genre there there's so different there's so many different types of horror movies if you say horror movies, it could be you know so many different it could be a slasher movie it could be you know kind of a co- horror comedy it could be you know a serious movie, it could be really silly you know kind of a b movie so it could be all different you know types of films.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. bases are covered in one genre.
0: Did Did you ever get into the insane clown posse?
2: I noticed. A oh, lot I of... I don't dis. I yeah. I don't dislike them. I yeah. know. Like it's like people really hate. Uh, I've never. I can't ever say it was a juggalo or anything. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. uh, or I don't own any of their CDs or actually uh, listen to their music. But like um, when I heard them, like I didn't think. I thought you oh, know you know it's whatever it's if people are into. I don't care. Uh, and I always found them entertaining, like in interviews or when they were on wrestling a few times. Yeah. yeah, usually when I talk
0: to people that like wrestling in horror movies, most of the time they're they're ICP fans.
2: Uh, yeah, I can't say like I'm an ICP fan, but right. uh, I mean I'm nothing. I don't hate them or anything. But well, that's good. I do know a lot of their fans are pretty annoying because I did go to Rocket Shock once. When they were there Not this last time Because like there wasn't really many there But the one year I went And there was They were there And it was just like Filled with juggalos And I gotta say They, they were pretty annoying
0: Some are You know Much like every yeah. big Big group of people Some are Yeah like
2: anything right?
0: Yeah uh-huh. It is what it is So Frankenstein No Kane
2: Hodder is a big
0: fan. Yeah Kane Hodder is a big fan uh, Don Coscarelli is a big fan as well
2: Really, yeah. I
0: didn't know that. I remember one of like one of the first times I met Kane, um, it, 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 and I heard rumor that he was a because I was a uh, I was a big fan. I still like ICP. I um, knew he was a big fan, so like, uh, I like I asked him about it, uh, and he gave me like it was one of the nights that ICP was playing Rock and Shock. And I remember he gave me like free passes to the show, which was cool. And I, uh, we, you know, struck up a conversation about ICP, and when I, I seen him when he was there, and he came in and he was all painted up, and you know, like ICP mm-hmm. makeup and, and wearing a jersey and shit, and it was cool. I remember Reggie Bannister was up there as well, but every time I see K, oh really? I mean, yeah, yeah, he was there because he's a musician too, Reggie. So he was like,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: I think he was just kind of in the mix mingling, um,
2: but uh-huh. yeah. I later, he's the first guy I ever did a video interview with was Reggie Bannister, and he just started to play his guitar in the interview. It was very, it was uh, very uh, odd, but very fun. Reggie,
0: right, he's, like, he's probably one of the first conversations I ever had with a horror person, and then I later went yeah. on to work yeah, with. Very... I worked with Kane on a film called The Haunting of Alice D, and I brought him a Fago. because for anybody out there that don't know, you know, is <laughs> the big wonder tonic mm-hmm. of the the Juggalo world, and uh, right,
2: yeah. Yeah, I have a picture on my Facebook somewhere the first time I saw Fago. I I had to get one and took a picture with it.
0: Fago's good. I mean, you don't drink uh, sugary soda anymore, I assume. No, I don't
2: drink that anymore. No, I just drink seltzer. I have my black coffee here and uh, and uh, unsweetened seltzer. Good man. Good man. The, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. You're a big walking man. Tell the people real quick how important walking is in their life. Oh, it's, you
2: know, it's it's important to stay active. So You don't have to walk 10 miles like I do, but you should stay uh even if you walk a half hour a day is good for you. You should uh, uh just do some some type of activity. Uh it's, I mean it's it's going to help you physically and it'll also really help you mentally. Yeah. Uh, uh if you, you know, if you're depressed or you like that, just getting out and uh, they say now I've I've never done heroin so I don't know, but they say like running is the same high as heroin. So so uh, walking, maybe it's similar, I don't know. But uh, you go out there to you get your, your minds free, and uh clears your head, and it'll, it'll make you feel good. It's, uh, try to try to stay
1: active even just a
0: half hour a day. Artie Lang has a good joke about r- runners high in heroin. Oh, really? Yeah, the good old Artie Lang. You listen to any... Uh... Yeah, I'm not an Artie Lang fan. Yeah, hell yeah! Hopefully he's doing good over there. He started a new podcast and it like just disappeared. So hopefully he's doing cool. Yeah, I
2: watch it. I like that. That's another guy too. Like I was saying, that's not wrestling, but uh, like people would have, find you know humor and joy in, like when when he would like crash and I'm like I don't find that funny. Like I, I would feel bad for him, and and then I was happy like to see him doing one.
0: Yeah, I think it was a weird thing where he just being on the Stern Show. Like, were you a Stern fan and all back in the day?
2: Uh, no, I, I can't, I, like, I don't just, like, I yeah. just, uh, I never listened to him. Like, I've, I've listened to him, but it wasn't, like, something I listened to all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, the Artie was on there. I think everybody on the show, except for Howard, eventually becomes, like, you know, something to show off and make fun of. So, I think that getting in, getting into that funk of, like, the, dar- and, the darkness, yeah. I think
2: and, and they did that themselves, so, like, you know, already would make fun of people, so.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He ain't no, uh, angel, for sure. <laughs> Right. So, do you listen to any other podcasts
2: in your downtime? Um I said no. Does that make me a bad person? No. Um, I really listen to a lot of audiobooks.
0: Yeah, right now, but I would be up to uh, listen to something. Audiobooks are the future.
2: I will check out. Uh, I will check out Shockwaves.
0: What's that? Your show, oh. Shockwaves. <laughs> I knew that you said it wrong, so I said. I wanted to put you on the spot. Oh, man, I feel but... terrible. Huh? Well,
1: don't feel <laughs> that's, terrible. That's
0: there's there's worse things going on in the world than <laughs> you forgetting the name of the show. Shock treatment. I mean,
1: it's it's not that getting the name. But
2: I was thinking, a, I was thinking, of zombie not. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the well, other well, show. We were
1: on WBOB. They could never remember if it was shock. They would. They did the same thing. It was like either Shockwave wave or shock treatment. But it was never the same thing twice until they finally, like right before we decided to leave and. Go over to the darkening. is when they finally remembered, you know, exactly what the name of the show was.
2: So, they even not a big this. deal. Well, I like shock treatment <laughs> better. I like it because, like, you're getting some shock treatment here. Well, well it's, it's yeah, doing you some good.
0: We're, we're treating the people. If we ever get a big right. fall, if we ever get a big following, we're going to call our fans the patients.
2: Woo! I like it. How you I like that? that. Obviously, this interview will bring in, you know, the, the big following. Everybody what's, loves Nails. you know... What's helped you stay
1: doing your podcast for so long? Like, do you have something that's kept you going to keep it going? You know, seeing you've been doing it since, what, you said 2005. So, that's a long time to have a show. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people uh, come and go from... And I understand it's the longest-running active horror podcast. It started the same year as... Um, uh, I forget, there's dead, dead, I don't know, it's dead something. And, uh, but they stopped, uh, running. So uh, as far as I know, it's the longest running active podcast, uh, horror podcast. And, um, what keeps it going? Uh, I really enjoy doing it. And, uh, uh, there's always, it's always cool to try to find something new with the show. Like now we do, uh, video. That's been fun. And doing the, um, the watch parties has been fun. And I really like the interaction with, uh, people who listen. It's just, uh, for me, it's it's a good time. It's uh, something that, you know, uh, I always have something to look forward to. You know, it's like, hey, you know, even if, even like right now, when things are, especially a couple months ago when, you you know, you didn't really know where the world was going and, like, things got bad. It was like, well, I had this show that I enjoy, and I know people enjoy uh, listening to it. So, you know, it's it's a big positive in my life. I dig it. Well... And I have fun doing. If you have fun doing something, I think it's worth doing. I
0: agree.
1: True story. So, now, how can I listen and, you know, find you on social media? Are you only on Facebook and Instagram? Are you on Twitter? You well, how too. can everybody
2: find you? Yeah, I don't use Twitter enough because I know that's what the kids use, and I'm an old man. But yeah. it is on Twitter. It's without your head on Twitter. It's really without your head everywhere. So go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, uh, you can go there, but uh, it's not been logged into for about 10 years, so you're not going to find any new material there. Uh, YouTube, and then all the podcasts, you know, platforms, whichever one you like the best. Uh, and then uh, you can just go to withoutyourhead.com, and that will link you to all your favorite uh, places. So, yeah, just without your head, and you'll go find it. And, this- and a shout-out uh, to my co-host, uh, Terrible Troy, my brother, who I started the show with and our newest co-host, Fretrice Trista Trista Robinson, a uh, great actor uh in uh, Purgatory Road and Echoes of Fear and a lot of other cool stuff and uh, it's been a lot of fun uh her addition to the program.
0: Yeah, you got a great team over there. Big Thank fan, you. big fan of you guys. Like I said, me and Mel were big fans well, of you guys before we uh before we even started our show, you know. Doing it. Yeah, that's right.
1: You're kinda of my you you were kinda of my inspiration uh for wanting to do a show because I was just, you know after I added to you because I wasn't really too familiar with other podcasts yet, so but I was following yours and I was listening and I was like, Oh, I can't do this. I wanna do this and that's when I you know, I think that's how I became friends with you actually. I think I was listening to your podcast and then I added you as a friend. Oh, very cool. Get, like, like,
2: that, that's that's awesome. Excited. I'm uh, I'm happy. With you.
0: You are inspiring, yeah. Neil. Look at that.
2: Great. Hell and yeah. I know uh, Mel's gotten healthier in the last couple of years, too, so it's very... Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I, I uh, dropped 250 pounds after having oh, wow. surgery. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was very good. Um, yeah, I was I'm,
1: pushing 500. That, that's so something Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I lost not some weight, too. I'm not where I
1: want to be yet, but, you know... I, I, I well, walk every day, even if it's not, it's not 13 miles, but I walk every day.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I don't do 13 miles every day. Today, I did about five or six, so. but, you know, like I said, uh, even if you did, like, a half hour, that's a good... Yeah, that's go what I, I do, because, like, I with, at
1: my, with my job, I, you know, right. I, I'm a home support aide, and I, you know, I take my client and her and I, we go walking together. So, you know, every day that I'm with her, we go walk a half hour. We walk for a half an hour every shift just because it's oh, it's nice. good for her. It's good
0: for me. So it works out. Neil, very good. It, it was very fantastic to have you on the show. Uh, this weekend, this will be up Friday. So this weekend uh, is the, the next, next uh, Severed Limbs, right?
2: right Debra's Limbs Film Festival number two I believe right now it's scheduled for 7pm I might move it to 5 but then some people might be confused so I'm not sure but I know we started doing the the movies at 5 and it's a bigger turnout because a lot of the listeners are in the UK and they're 5 hours ahead so starting at 7 is midnight and then if it goes 6 hours or so it's very late but uh, either way go and check that out On uh, it'll be a live watch party on the Facebook page so it's uh, the group so uh, Facebook.com slash group slash without your head horror. Just look up without your head and y- y- you'll you'll find it. Oh, yeah. Or I'll
1: just start pimping
2: out the link for it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's good. Uh, uh, everyone, if uh, not just, you know, without your head, but if you share something that you like, that helps get the word out. And if you like it, it's cool to, you know, want to get other people to like it. Especially, oh, yeah. you know, that's how things uh, get out there in the world today. Believe it. Even movies like Terrifier uh, Which I'm looking forward to the second one You know it started out like You know a pretty low budget movie And you know slowly people I remember just reading someone liked it And I watched it and I loved it and I thought, And it became you know a really big uh, Underground hit You know of recent times so you know Anything like that if you like it And you talk about it uh, It can get people interested in it
0: Hell Yeah I'm all about it. Hopefully, you will come back. This was fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, definitely. I did, too. I had a great time. And we'll, we'll try to talk less wrestling next time, though, so you so you can participate. Yeah, well, no, I know. Wanted... No,
1: I can get into the conversation a little more. Like, don't, like literally, that's like the one wrestler I actually remember and the Ultimate Warrior. But, <laughs> yeah, I've uh-huh. never been that. You know, my mom and dad were the ones that were always watching that stuff so I picked up on it I'm
0: right. like being nosy with them like what are you doing uh-huh. how weird is it the ultimate warrior dies like a day after getting into the hall of fame
2: I know it's really strange fucking... and like he gives this great uh, you know uh, speech and it almost seems like he knows if you watch it like yeah. he's kind of talking about like this is the end it's
0: weird really
2: weird but, uh, it is it was a great send off I mean that's you know to be morbid or anything but it, you know, it was a, it, just imagine if he, he he didn't come back for the Hall of Fame, like what people's last memories of him would have been? Like you know, years before that.
0: Yeah, true. That's true. He was getting, uh, he was jumping around a little too much in that ring, man.
2: He'd yeah, he he, does, never... he didn't look good. I, I remember, even, you know, before just watching that, he was his face was so red. He's just, so sweaty. He obviously didn't, you know, look good. And then, you know, after what happened and you watch it again, and he's like, wow, he, you know, he doesn't look, uh, it looks like, you know, he's probably going to have a heart attack."
0: Now, isn't it with the Warriors? But then if you
2: watch his old stuff, he was always like that. I mean, he was always, like, all hyper and stuff.
0: Well, I think cocaine helped. Helped the hype. (laughs) Isn't he a dude that they they shitted on him for a little bit? Then they everybody changed up their moods and said they liked him in the
2: end. Yeah, well, yeah, some, yeah, or so, so, yeah, sometimes that happens too. Like if, when someone dies, they forget, you know, a lot of the negative yeah, things yeah, yeah. that that happened.
0: Of course, the good old Warrior days. I actually have an autograph. Oh. I have a, a Warrior autograph to this day. Oh, really? He changed his name to the Warrior <laughs> legally. I remember. Yeah, I was in uh, good old uh, Hanover, Massachusetts at the South Shore Votec High School uh, where I later went. And, yeah, he fucking... He, he he was supposed to... I remember it was a weird thing because he was supposed to wrestle, I think, uh, Macho Man in a Survivor Series. But I think he was there instead and they didn't do it, which I, 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 I can only think that he did something that he got in trouble or something. I don't know. But I remember... Or maybe it was a, a fucking... A shemp... Ultimate Warrior, somebody wearing the paint. But I remember he, he ran through the crowd, and I grabbed his streamers and fucking was the happiest little boy in the world. And then on the way out, I got I, I, 8 by 10 yeah.
2: Yes? I interviewed <laughs> a guy, he was called One Warrior Nation, and he claimed to be, uh, like, a fake Ultimate Warrior that Man McMahon uh, paid during, like, the 90s when Warriors <laughs> stopped showing up. Okay. And so he paid like a supposedly a few guys to pretend to be the warrior on like house shows. And this was the guy who claimed that. I don't know if it's true or not, but
0: that would be a super good. was on the show. Yeah, that would be super good for uh, for business. Yeah. it's one of the worst.
2: One of the worst interviews ever because this was back on uh, MySpace and he contacted me in MySpace and he gives me this big story about how you know he was this guy that Vince hired to play the warrior and blah blah blah. So. So as soon as we get him on, I start asking about that because otherwise, you know, what else am I going to even ask?
0: Him?
2: Yeah. And right away, he says, "I can't talk about that because of legal issues." Oh. And so it's just like, "Well, why the hell did you tell me? And why are we having you on the show?" <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, I don't, we just end up talking about like local indie wrestling. It was not a. It was not a fun time. Oh well. It's kind of an infamous show amongst uh, in your head fans. They think it's funny because it's. Pretty bad. It's up there with the chic. <laughs> yeah, not quite as not, it's not as uh, not uh, not the level of chic, but I, I think it's kind of awkward and, and pretty lame. Now, but I, most of the interviews are good.
0: I remember you used to be a big rap star back in the day, back in the nineties. You were a big rap sensation? Uh, who? A big rap sensation? You? Who? You?
2: Oh, me oh well yeah I have I have uh DJ curly bear has uh, has a um it's on there you can you can watch it and I always say this anyone if you have like respect for me at all don't listen to the to the to the rap music one ever...
0: <laughs> we're gonna do a music video for
2: one of them tracks hot fire tracks all right yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so the bit, it, it actually went to number one on, on uh, wasn't Spotify, uh, Reverb Nation. It went to number one on the hip hop track. And it was just <laughs> this really dumb track that I put out there just to be funny. And uh, yeah, I I don't know how. Well, obviously, like it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was uh, Give Me That Fat Ass, or Give Me That Fat Ass. <laughs> that's the name of the song.
0: I think we got to bring him back That's after COVID. Right. The, the only thing that will kill COVID will be that. we,
2: You know what I mean? DJ <laughs> bad But <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
0: thanks again for coming on, Neil. We'll have you back soon. Thank stay you. I s- had a great time. Sorry. Stay, right. stay safe. Good luck this weekend. We'll be viewing. We'll yeah. Uh, nice. Hopefully you get a great
1: turnout like the last one.
0: And anybody out there listening, you do know. Yep. Oh, yes pop in definitely pop in and check it out it's a lot of fun you see a lot of you know local uh filmmakers showing off their stuff and uh you got trailers you'll have the projects uh perfect way to kind of spend a, an evening uh so yeah pop on check it out and uh do you guys want to say anything else before we close it out
2: I just want to thank you both for having me on. I had a wonderful time. Thank you, sir. No,
1: thank you for taking time out of your day for, to join us.
2: Hell yeah. Of course. Yeah, anytime. All right, folks. And well, both of you stay safe and uh, continued success.
0: Well, thank you very much. We're trying. Very good. All right, folks, very good. We'll catch you all on the next episode of Shockwaves. Oops, I mean... Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie.